Hi there, professionals. Thanks for joining me on my new exciting podcast series, Industry Insights with me, DPDS. This series will take a look at stories from entertainment industry professionals from all sectors of the industry. It will be compiled with various levels of experience and will really indulge in a journey of their careers and utilize their stories and experience to help influence current professionals in the industry or total newcomers wanting to get into the industry. If you are new here, thanks for joining us. I'm grateful to have you listening. If you enjoy the episode, please consider subscribing connect our community across social media for those that have been here before welcome back here's what we've got in store for you today well hello hello good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you might be in the world and welcome back to industry insights with me dpds another really really exciting episode for you today I'm really happy to welcome a long friend to the show um, and a very, very talented friend at that. Um, so bringing them to the show without waiting any longer, please welcome musical artist Brennan Villains. Welcome to Industry Insights. Hey, Darren. Thanks for having me. How are you? I am great. I am camped out in Kentucky at our family's little lake cabin, nestled in the woods, there's no one around me. It's just you and me and my dog, Rick. <laughs> oh, Rick. Well, that actually yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, if I could be, <laughs> be anywhere, it would be far away from everybody during this crazy, crazy time that yeah. we're living. So uh, you're originally from Kentucky, correct? Yes. I was born and raised in a little small town called Dixon, Kentucky, in, uh, in the western part of the state, um, kind of right below where it uh, Indiana and Illinois meet the meet Kentucky. Yeah, little tiny town. And is that where you've been living pre lockdown, or, or is the lockdown you've had to move home? Or what? What's the story with that? Yeah. So I was in New York City. I lived in Mem- I went to school in Memphis, Tennessee, um, for college in 2006, and I stayed there for about 12 years. And uh, in 2018, I moved to New York City, and then, as we all know. Uh, 2020 <laughs> crashed everyone's dreams, uh, especially in the entertainment industry, you know. Um, so me as a gig worker, I, you know, I, and this is in retrospect, the smartest decision I could have made. I moved back home because it's like, okay, you know, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to pay all that money in rent when there's literally no gigs coming in, you know? So I made the decision to move last year and luckily my parents have a a second home. There's about an hour from where I grew up. There's a a massive lake in Kentucky that we've always had a little place at. And uh, it's really been quite a blessing um, to have that ability to be able to come home, be close to family, but also have my own space, you know, to, to, um, to do my own thing. So yeah, it's, it's been it's been it's been a bad year but at, in a lot of ways but the you know the silver lining is i've got to spend a lot of time with my family and loved ones that i you know not uh yeah. would normally don't have the opportunity to except for holidays so and and how is the beautiful dog rick i mean he's a legend <laughs> he is a legend he's great he just turned 10 in this past november we we actually share the same birthday our birthdays are november 28th 
So I turned 33 and Rick is now 10, which makes him 70 in people years in dog years. Wow. I guess. Yeah. And, and he's still out on the lake, like trying to jet ski and everything. It's amazing. Uh, this dog will run we'll go we're after i get done with you we're going on a hike up a mountain and then uh we will probably run and exercise after that and then uh in the summertime when it's not freezing cold because it's like 20 degrees here right now um we we get out on the jet ski he will ride with me for three hours at a time he sits in that i don't know if, if you're familiar with the jet I don't know if they have those in the UK. Well, we have them, but we just don't don't use them very often because it's too cold. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, there's where you put your feet um, on the jet ski, just in the little landing area. The the little area where your feet go is a perfect little space where he just sits perfectly like a hot dog with his little life jacket there, and he just mm-hmm. we just blast around the lake, and he has a blast. He's an old man, but is up for adventure every day yeah he's amazing <laughs> so <laughs> funny um well thank you for joining me on the industry insights i'm really excited to share yeah. your story um you know yeah. of your your career this far um and the insights into you know being an, an artist and, and what you've been doing and hopefully share some uh you know insights into that and also give some advice to anybody that's looking to do that or they might be doing that right now but struggling or need some advice so um, yeah. i'd like to dive dive right in there i know go back to the beginning you spoke a little bit about you know studying in memphis uh let's talk mm-hmm. about you know as a, a professional now in the music industry and entertainment industry talk a little bit about your training and what you studied and how that prepared you then uh to, to move into the industry yeah so i started uh playing piano at a very early age my mom put me in lessons at age three and um you know i'm we're from a pretty art starved area as you as many can probably imagine if they know anything about, you know, the Midwest or Mid-South United States, (laughs) some, some, especially in small areas, you know, the arts are generally the last to be added. You know, we value sports and recreation uh, more than we do the arts in in a lot of cases. But um, I kind of was a standout, you know, growing up. um, And I, my mom noticed my gifts early on. I think, you know, she had played piano a little bit when she was younger and she noticed when I was really, really small that I would go up to our piano and, and play them, you know, just bang around on it, but play notes and then hum the pitches, you know, early. Um, and I, and I, and that being said, I don't have perfect pitch. I have really good pitch, but (laughs) anyway, (laughs) she noticed, she noticed that, that I had, you know, that that was an ability that I had. So stuck me in lessons and then I did everything growing up from theater to playing in church, plays, community theater. We barely had a drama program at our school and there wasn't many opportunities for me to have training outside of my community more than 30 minutes away. So always driving to piano lessons here and there and, and, and voice lessons. I started in, in high school for a few years and, and then uh, I really just, uh, took to the piano. Um, so I, I studied pretty intense classical training for my childhood and, and early life. And, and then I ended up getting a full ride scholarship to the university of Memphis. Um, and, um, I, I got Amazing. that through attending, um, the governor's school for the arts, um, which is a, a program we have in the U S most states have it. Um, 
there's an educational sector of, of this program and there's also an arts sector of this program. It's generally called Governor School for the Arts in most um, states. Mm-hmm. And that is a program where they select a group of students in all art forms to either going into your junior or senior year of high school and you get if you get selected you go to a college campus for three weeks in the summer and basically get the college experience you study intensely your art form um and that was really just eye-opening to me you know i'd never really ventured out much out of dixon and um (laughs) you know the closest major city to us is nashville so you know and we that was once in a blue moon trip you know so um so that was really eye-opening to me. And, and, and because of that program, they have a college and career day where it's only for alumni of that program. And they bring, um, they bring professors and, or, and, and faculty from all schools around the country to pick from this pool of talent, you know, to recruit for their schools. So I, I had a yeah. few offers and I ended up going with Memphis because I did have some family in Memphis. I love Memphis's music history um, I liked that it was a bigger city, but not too big to, you know, to go to school. And I wasn't, I was looking at, you know, I had dreams of being in New York right away, but it was great that I chose Memphis because it was, it was enough to get me on the right track and path and what I wanted to do. And at the time didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I had abilities. Um, so it was a really yeah. good molding spot for me to get in there and soak up every bit of culture um, of, of music and arts and entertainment that I had never been really, um, really never been pushed with, I'll say in where I came from. It was always me seeking out where can I be challenged the most? And that was very lacking, but you know, you get to a a place like Memphis where the talent is just unreal. Um, Mm. you're able to, I was able to, to mold a path for myself when, and that started with, you know, I started a, a two bands when I got to college, like a year after I was there, I kind of formed a, a little jazz trio. And then I had a eighties cover band that was just like crazy. And we did frat parties and stuff. And so I kind of got like, ran the <laughs> gamut of, of all genres. I was a classical piano major, a jazz singer at night. And also on the weekends, just getting trashed and singing eighties songs for frat people. <laughs> so Amazing. So yeah, it um, was really fun. So the course you studied there, uh, was that, if I'm, I'm just, when, the recent, is that you studied directly music industry or what did that course entail? And, and over well, those years, what, what were you actually doing on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so for college, I, my scholarship was in classical piano performance. So I had okay. to do all the requirements um, that that entailed to, uh, to fulfill my scholarship duties. Um, however, about two years into the major, I did switch to um, music business. So my degree is, is it's weird. I actually, I have a, I have a bachelor's of arts basically, uh, or bachelor's of yeah. music. Um, and, but and it really, the distinction really didn't do anything except change the curriculum slightly. I still had to study everything that I had to, that I would have had to do um, for music performance. The only reason I switched my major from music performance to music business is to maybe just gain a little bit more business insight in, in just the real world. Um, I already had plenty of performance skills. Um, technically I was a, a, a good pianist. I wasn't looking to play, 
you know, in a Philharmonic orchestra, you know, as a, as a job or mm. as a living. So it really just made sense to me to like, why don't I just change my major and basically almost kind of have a double major of sorts because I'm taking business courses. And then, you know, I have, I, you know, I have the ability to, I have the ability to teach myself anything with the knowledge of piano that I have already. So, and, you know, like I said, because I wasn't looking to, to, uh, to be a, a touring classical pianist, this is just, this was just a means of paying for my education and, and getting, you know, more deeply into uh, the music world. Right. right. Yeah. So, um, to go and talking back to when you were growing up. So, you know, you mentioned that your, your mom, you, you noticed that you were always, you know, involved with music mm -hmm. was that something that you you thought about as a, a young child you were like yeah i want to be a musician when i grow up or was that it was just like um, a hobby at that time or was there anything else that you were thinking like you were gonna be when you grow up or music was you know ingrained and that's what you wanted to do from that young age yeah i um i i knew that i yeah that's what i wanted to do i i was good early on um at piano you know not to toot my own horn here <laughs> but i was I, I i excelled quickly you know so and i mean anytime i think a, a a younger person or anybody really excels quickly in something you know you lean into that so i um mm. i had a really great influential um teacher when i was younger and she was actually the music teacher at our uh, at my elementary school and and um i started taking lessons from her when i was maybe in the second grade and uh, took from her for years until she sent me, you know, passed me on to a, a, another teacher to uh, to suit my level. Um, but what she did that really kicked me up a notch, I think, was, you know, we did all the classical training scales and theory and everything, you know, played Beethoven and all the things that you do when you pr play an instrument and you want to be classically trained and read music. But she also knew that, you know, I had a musical ear and I liked who doesn't like to listen to the radio and, you know, Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls or whatever, whatever we were listening to back then, <laughs> you know? So, yes. So she would, she would get me the sheet music to, you know, the top chart, top charting songs. And so that would be another half of my lesson. You know, we would start with um, classical and, and I'd get, I'd have the incentive to practice all that so that we could get to the pop stuff. So in, in the, in the process of all that, I'm learning to be a super duper sight reader, but then also getting my pop chart, uh, pop chops up because of all of the charts <laughs> that she was um, providing me with. So by the time I got to the the pop repertoire that we were working on, I already knew how the song went, already knew the words, already knew the melody, already knew the rhythm. So when it, when she popped the sheet music in front of me, it was like, looking at a picture and just making sense of that picture rather than really digging in and playing every note correctly. So I really learned a way to improvise and create on my own, um, by yeah. that method. So that was the biggest influence to me to really be like, Oh, I, you know, I really enjoy everything about this. So that was the, that was okay. the first catalyst. Yeah. And how important is that for, say, somebody who's listening or a, a new musician or a pianist, whoever, uh, whatever instrument they might play, you know, is to get a, a good rounding of, you know, all genres and styles. So, you know, you are adverse to being able to play them should eventually down the line, you, you know, come up into a professional environment where you get a job and you're required to play that. Would you recommend that to, to you know, young musicians to really, you know, practice each style? I would, 
and and the reason for that is I've I've been able to work in a lot of different ways because of my um, well-roundedness. Like I I've done a lot of theater, and when I went to Memphis, I um, ended up shadowing who became my best friend later. Um, my my best friend Dennis. He was a theater director or a musical um, music director for a theater in Memphis. Um, called Playhouse on the Square, and I shadowed him, and eventually I took his took the reins from him, and and did some shows after he left, and so my sight reading ability and my theater background allowed me to be a music director, and then my um, oh. church experience from growing up playing in my church, I played for a big church in Memphis that I loved playing for, and I got to play a lot of gospel and and some jazzier um, uh, things, and then. Um, and then my, I had an early love for jazz in general. I've always loved jazz music since I was a little boy. Um, and so then when I got to college, I did a lot of R&B groups, uh, ensembles that I participated in in college. And then also was in the small group jazz singers where I did like, you know, acapella, uh, tight harmony jazz. And um, so all of those avenues um, have led to different jobs and different gigs like oh we need a music director for this yeah. theater show great oh we need a church pianist oh we you know or we need a, a sing a lounge singer to come sing at our party which darren that's where i met you uh, on a cruise ship um so i yeah. i was able to do piano bar i had never done piano bar before i got hired to do it but because i knew how to play a variety of music that's why I got hired. So. Like I say, it can open so many avenues to maybe it's not what you were initially intending to do. Yeah. Uh, but it just adds so many strings to your bow that, you know, should an opportunity come up, you, right. you are able to do it. Um, and, you know, you can hopefully enjoy it at the same time. So, so going back to college, you, you went through all of that. Like I say, you were, your fingers were in many pies musically, yeah. you know, all of those <laughs> things you were doing. Once you finished your education, then what was the plan? Uh, what was the next thing you did? Were you, were you straight out trying to find work or you were thinking you were going to go and record? Like, what was your next plan? Yeah, so I had a, um, I had a rough go at it the last, um, um, the, the last part of my college career. I had a relationship, uh, went really south. I, I got on the wrong track with some substance abuse. So I had... I had some right. I had some hurdles in the way that really kind of blurred my focus for what I wanted to do. I mean, I always knew that I wanted to be a, you know, a musician and, and an artist. And that really kind of hit me hard there through that period, which is a really formidable period there, you know, when you're jumping out into the world. But right after that, I, I that's where I met you, sort of right after I um, got out of school. I think it was maybe just a year or so after when I when I took the cruise ship job. But I had really built up through college in, in Memphis a name for myself. I was playing gigs every weekend with different bands. I would play, I would, I sang with this wedding band a lot. I had my own band. Um, I was doing sessions in the studio for, for myself and for other people. Um, and I was playing at church. So I was happy and I was content at that point with where I was. And then it was really, um, after I'd gone through some struggles, I, my, my former drummer, um, uh, and, and best friend from, from college where we started the, the two bands together, the jazz trio and the eighties band, he was very successful after leaving Memphis. He moved to, 
to New York and went to finish school up there and ended up getting uh, hired in the original ensemble of Hamilton as a drummer. So he was the, he is, mm-hmm. is the, and still remains the drummer, the percussionist for uh, the show Hamilton on Broadway. And so I was really happy for him and I was still in Memphis and it had been several years after college. And um, I was in the process. I had just finished recording my first, my first full length album called free. And he came in town and I was playing at the venue that was a really chic venue that we used to play at called Molly Fontaine lounge. It's an old Victorian house that was restored into a bar restaurant lounge, piano bar thing, really quaint. It's a, it's a mansion, but very small once you get, you know, 50 people in it. Um, and, uh, downstairs there's a little piano lounge and, we used to play there for years and he came back after he came back to visit Memphis and he was in town and he hadn't heard me in since we really played together for a few years. And he pulled me aside after my set and he said, you know, what are you doing? You know, like, what do you want? You know? And I was, at the time I was so content with my life. I, I, I had cleaned myself up, you know, and I had, um, I was playing gigs all the time. I was making good money, you know, and I, I owned a house. Yeah. I bought a house. You know, I had a, I have a condo in Memphis downtown. And um, I was just doing, I thought I was, you know, I was where I needed to be at the time, but it, it was him that kind of jerked me out of my reality at the time was like, Oh, well, I guess I could be doing more. And he was like, yeah, like, yeah. you know, you, you sound incredible. Like you, you've matured, you know, your voice has gotten better. And so I started to think and I was like, okay, if this really successful friend of mine who has always been a, a really, really close friend um, is telling me this, then I better listen. And I've always wanted to go to New York. And so um, I put in the plans to start heading that way. And we recorded, uh, I think it was maybe in 2016 or something. We recorded a, a, co- a cover and then I had flown up there to, to do some other things with him and and he's amazing at production. And that really just kind of like skyrocketed me into, um, Oh wow. Okay. I could do this, you know? And I, I yeah. heard myself yeah. with like full level production and I was just like, wow. And, and going, going back before all this, Darren, I wasn't really a good singer until I went to college. I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't even want to hear myself sing on a recording pre 2007. <laughs> um, it, it just never, <laughs> I think we're all like, that. yeah, I mean, you know, but you hear people that are 14 years old on the internet today. I'm like, how do you even sound like a whole grown person? You know, like, I don't understand. Yeah. So it really took me. But time. Do, do you think the re I think, I think though, we're talking about that, the resources though, for Kissy said, I remember we, we never got to watch so many singers. It was literally what you'd hear on the radio. True. Or you might buy the odd single. That's true. Whereas now you, they could spend hours a day mimicking watching all the singers around the world. And that's why I think, I'm like, how are you so confident and so great that's at true. this age? I was terrible at that age. I, <laughs> I think, I think, I always <laughs> think about that exactly what you said with people who just like, you meet, I meet somebody who's, you know, 16, 17, 18 in this day and age. And I'm like, wow, you are really more mature than I feel like I was when I was that age. And it's because they have everything in front of their fingertips, you know, 
just just like yeah. you said so it's, it's really interesting but yeah i i i it wasn't until benny came along and was just like you know what are you doing and i had to ask myself what am i doing and i well, i'm sitting yeah. here talking to you today and i'm still asking myself that question <laughs> so I think this I think this past year every everyone yeah. is now asking that question. Yeah. Um so he he kind of give you this confidence and you know I I think it can be easy as performers sometimes to become complacent, right? We're yeah. like earning money, we're in a contract and it's like oh, this is fine. Yeah. But are we really challenging yourself and pushing yourself? Would you say that is a a common trait maybe for musicians to sometimes become complacent or, you know, consumed within what they're just doing uh, as a, you know, as opposed to pushing further and really untapping everything that could be available to you. Absolutely. I, you know, when I left Memphis in 2018, you know, it was, it was kind of bittersweet because, you know, it, you, I was leaving a comfort zone. I had a cushy, apartment you know i was you know three or four times a week and and pulling in what most people make sitting at their desk for 10 hours a day <laughs> you know and play, right. doing what i loved you know so it was a big shock to me when i was like okay i'm about to move to the most expensive city in the world and um and just try this out with literally no leads other than my producer is up there and we started a record label together and we're going to record and I'm going to have to figure out other things out, but you know what? I somehow can sniff out money <laughs> enough to get by at least, uh, usually. So, um, this year has definitely uh, proven me wrong. However, uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I usually can make it work. And, um, and I, I did, I went up there and I hit the pavement and I, I said, um, I, I, I got in like a couple of like bands that do like corporate events. And then I was still performing in Memphis. You know, people still hire me around to do corporate events and things like that. But I really wanted to branch out from that. And I really wanted to, um, to, to do more. And I got right when I moved up to New York, I had been cast on the four on Fox and I was, things were looking up and I was about, I was, I already had a, a, a record, an EP ready to go. So it was really just perfect timing, and you know then. Yeah. So let, let's 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 talk about that for a little yeah. bit before we go on. Um, I, I do want to go back to where we met. We were going yeah, yeah, actually. yeah. Um, but you're now, you know, you've moved from Memphis. You you've made the big, you know, the big life changing movement. Yeah. Okay, this is kind of what you'd thought about, and you're now in in New York. And like you say, you've hit the ground running. Uh, you set up a record label, yeah. you're, you know, producing writing, and then you do suddenly get this um, opportunity um, of being cast on this big TV show, uh, you know, uh, The Four, and um, you're on that. And how was that experience? Did you suddenly think like, okay, this is another level now, this is going to take me to where I want to go? Talk to talk to me about that ex that whole experience and that how, how it made you feel, and then what avenues that did or didn't open for you you know my view of those shows has always been you know that's a great opportunity for someone with talent to showcase their talent and that's where it stopped for me yeah. um there was never any intention uh nor did i think that i would ever win a show like that um you know you watch the voice the x factor american idol whatever and it's really 
a lot of times the people that get the most attention are the people that can belt the highest, hold the longest notes, and 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 have the trickiest runs. And that is just not me. Yeah. Um, I am a you know soulful, jazzy pop singer. I can do some of those things, but that's not what my wow factor is, in my opinion. Mine is to take you to a, a place where you are, um, where I don't really know how to phrase this. This is weird to talk about what I do <laughs> sometimes, but my, my, my thing isn't really necessarily to show off all the time um you give an experience yeah i right? guess for somebody who listens yeah. for someone who listens to your music yeah. you, i've messaged you many times like wow like the the emotions or the feelings i got from listening to yeah. that ep or that album or that song was just like and i i think you're doing yourself a little bit of uh disservice by saying that you're not one of those because from where i met you to where you are now vocally is just phenomenal and i just think like i never knew you could do that yeah. so you should give yourself some uh credit well there. thank you yeah i i do think i have improved since even the days of us meeting and i probably was a little intoxicated most of the time on the ship whenever i was singing so uh yeah definitely a little better when i'm warmed up and uh yeah not drinking um but uh yeah um i the experience was great um the four was awesome i had a wonderful producer who's still my friend to this day i look forward to hanging and with him and, 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 uh, and seeking opportunities with him when I moved to LA uh, later this year, which is my plan. Um, but the, the process of doing one of those shows is, um, it's interesting because, you know, my experience on the show was great. I got, they let me do what I wanted to do, at least for the first number that I did. They cast me based on that arrangement of 500 miles that I did. Um, yeah. That uh -huh. was kind of the selling point, you know, for them. I, I kind of wowed the producers and they loved me, the piano combination with taking a one hit wonder song that everybody thinks is, it's really a silly recording, but the, but the words <laughs> to the song are beautiful. Um, and if you yeah. slow them down and make them emotional. So they really, the four was all about, you know, artistry and like really highlighting working artists, which is what I liked about the show. Whereas the voice and American Idol, you know, their stories are like, well, you know, I work at the Cracker Barrel and, um, you know, I like to sing at church, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but the four, the four is, was about you, you, they really only cast people who were working artists. So I liked that about yeah. the show. Um, now I did have some problems later on with Fox network, not necessarily the people at the four, but I don't know if you were following my, I think I read, <laughs> I, yes, I read, read your story. Well, uh, because Fox owns the mask, singer and a lot of people you know that do those shows that are producers and PAs and all the people that are behind the scenes and the music director and all the people work on these same shows they took my arrangement that I brought to the show which was not the music director's arrangement it was mine uh, it was his arrangement because he wrote it out for his band to play but it was my intellectual property yeah. um, they used it just a mere two years later on the mask singer 
a much bigger show, by the way, with humongous numbers of viewership, monstrous numbers. And the dude got all of the credit for, um, you know, the, the arrangement. And <laughs> I, I, it really struck me down a little bit because I was like, you know what? This was my 15 minutes of fame. And uh, I shared my story and poured my heart out, you know, and then they just ripped that from me. And now, to, to be fair, maybe some of the producers that pitched that song did, didn't actually realize that it was my arrangement, or whatever. But it was still really cheap. And I thought, wow. So I made a big think about it. And then there was even press about it. So <laughs> I guess it worked in my favor a little bit. Yeah, but, so, so. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was exact the exact same arrangement. I remember yeah. watching you, and then I think it was like some some badger or something singing along yeah. to the same arrangement. Well, at first I was honored so, about I mean, it, but because the mask singer is typically famous people behind a mask, um, unfortunately, this person yeah. that sang it is got famous during the pandemic because he's a doctor, and which is awesome, and it, you know I'm sure he's a great guy, but. Uh, he was not, I was thinking when I was told that this was going to happen, that obviously a, the song would be a little different and B that, okay, this famous person, whoever's going to sing this John legend or whoever it sounds like behind that mask, uh, is going to be, um, singing my arrangement. And I was like, at first I was like kind of honored. I was like, Oh, this is cool. You know, whatever. And then it was like somebody that's like literally just viral overnight famous. And I'm like, okay, well, you stole from me. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I suppose I mean, the, you are taking some positives away from that. Like, say, was your work? There is some yeah. honor there that you use, but obviously, uh, may may have <laughs> gone about it a different right. way. Um, so, I mean, how how do you move on from that? Though, so you just take that and use that as inspiration for what you're going to work on next, or if you go into another experience, like say uh, another mm -hmm. TV show or um, you know something like that, will you you know be more cautious, or you'll have more understanding of how that process can work, even on an after? Yeah, show? I mean, I I, I would. Um, I I don't know that I would do another show like that again. I mean, it's it's great for get getting yourself out there and then to also just have that on your resume you know people people are you know it it, it does help with gigs sometimes honestly it's like oh, okay well th this is kind of a voucher for you to like okay well you've performed nationally on, on television and stuff so it did help a little boost with yeah. gigs i also you know shared my life story that touched a lot of people you know my struggles with with substance yeah. abuse and and health and and um so people were really inspired and that was really the greatest takeaway for me was seeing, I mean, I got thousands and thousands and thousands of messages, um, uh, from on my uh, Instagram, uh, not only just for my, you know, ability, but also just for my, you know, what I said, I, I talked about my meth addiction. I talked about being HIV positive and that really resonated with a lot of people in the world that struggle quietly with those things. And, um, yeah. so that was really the proudest thing for me to be able to do was to be able to uplift people, which is what an artist's job really is, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And I, I remember watching that and also being like of one <laughs> and being like, this is just, just amazing. And, and like say, if you 
you have and you can reach out and help people with music and your story that's just fantastic and i think again now that gives you the motivation to yeah. keep going and uh, keep writing and, and put yourself out there i want to talk a little bit you, you spoke about that you're going to hopefully move to la later yeah. in the year talk to us a little bit about the process of um you know making a record and writing your own music so i know in 2015 was you released uh your uh-huh. debut solo album 2015 free talk to us about that process of making a record you know how long does it take to make an album uh, how many songs do you work with how do you even sit down thinking like, okay i'm going to make this record this is what it's going to be about is there a story process behind it kind of tell the listeners if they are thinking of making a record what you know is. i wish i had a more um um a, a, a great answer to tell you that <laughs> I uh, when when free was recorded that was coming right off of um, my personal issues that I was having you know I had gone to rehab for uh, for some time and my friend Nick Black uh, he's a great musician in Memphis approached me and was like dude you need to make a record like let's go and I was like and he produced he produced it um, and basically led me along the whole process. And I had made a little EP before then in college. Um, but, um, this was a full length record with some covers on it as well. And we went in the studio and recorded it live with musicians. Um, that process alone is very expensive. You know, you have to pay musicians, you have to pay for studio time. Um, I, um, I think the whole process maybe took like a month and a half, two months, um, before planning and stuff. I also uh, did an Indiegogo campaign. I raised like 10 or $15,000 from fans and family and friends and stuff. Um, and it took every penny of that because by the time you send it, you, you have to, you have to book studio time, which is, you know, anywhere from $50 to $200 a day. And then you hope you get, you know, two songs a day out of that or three songs a day out of that. If you're ready to go and you have good, good, good takes. Um, then from there, then you have publicity. I hired PR. Um, I, oh, and before you do all that, you have to you have to pay for mixing. You have to pay for mastering. Uh, you have to get them printed. Um, get the records printed. You have to pay for a graphic designer. You have to pay for a photographer. Um, I shot a video for my single free. Uh, that cost maybe fifteen hundred bucks. It was just a pretty easy one to shoot, yeah. which normally music videos cost a lot more than that, depending on what you have in them. Um, so I really, and I mean, you're, you're doing this yeah, all yourself, yeah. right? I mean, at this, at this time, you know, if you are assigned to like a label or something like that, these are probably things you don't right, have to worry right. about. And that, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the difference in a label supporting you and, and you doing it yourself. Now, all of the momentum that I had built up and all of the, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people in Memphis, I've been playing there for over a decade uh, so I, I had a lot of people behind me that believed in me and that were willing to, I mean, give me whatever they could to support me. And, uh, that really helped with that process. So, um, then, um, I made my next record in 2018, which is, um, make it work EP, and this that yeah. um, that one was completely recorded in uh, Lower Manhattan in my producer Benny's apartment, uh, just mainly the two of us. So as big as that record sounds, I mean, he's a genius engineer and producer. 
uh, he, we basically did the, I did all the, all of my own background, uh, all of the keyboard parts, and then he put in everything else. Um, with, with the exception of a couple of instrumentalists, I think bad habit has a, a trumpet player, Pat Adams, um, and, uh, some strings on, uh, can't remember who's on strings. I'll make it work actually. It's quite, like you say, a late, a lengthy process. Yeah. Like it sounds a lot, but initially when you, when you write a song, um, you know, these are your words, your feelings, you know, that you're coming up with. Is it something that you think about? It just comes to you or you've had an idea, like I want to write a song about, a, you know, a horse or <laughs> whatever it might be. Like, where does that come from? Is that just like feelings inside of you? I, I, for me to try and sit and write a song, I just would not be able to do it. I mean, I probably would, but it would be, like I say, I'd be talking about the horses going down the road, <laughs> something like that. Like, where, um, where does that come from? 75% of the time when I sit down to write, I have nothing in mind. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, I think, um, you know, of the, of the material that I've put out, I'm really proud of it. And I think it's a, exceptional work. However, I'm not a Taylor Swift. I don't crank out a song every day, every week, every month. Um, I, I have just now, I mean, I didn't write my first song until I was 22, 21. I'm 33. So that's not a long time. I, I didn't, I didn't know that I even had a really good singing ability before college and then even then I certainly didn't write. Um, so, so it's mm. really been, um, it's really been a kind of catch up journey for me. Um, when things come to me, like my song, you never loved you or make it work. Those are deeply personal. Those are literally, they were so easy. They just came right out because it was, I knew exactly the subject that I was talking about, but my process, um, for the last couple of years and, and especially lately now that I've really, you know, the pandemic really hit me and a lot of people hard, as we all know. I literally spent last year just taking a breath, working on my mental and physical health, and just whenever things would come to me, I would do them, but no pressure. Now it's more in the in a go period for me where I, okay, you've had a year off from things, really, you've slowed down, let's pick it back up. Um, so my process now, just to walk you through that, is I wake up in the, as soon as I wake up, I object write. So if, if people, people, some writers out there might be familiar with that, object writing is, there's literally a website called objectwriting.com, and it's just one page, and it shows you a word every day, and today the word was bandana. And for 10 minutes, I wrote about all of the senses of a ban bandana. So you, you do taste, sight, smell sound, motion, uh -huh. uh, whatever the other senses are. And you write for 10 minutes about that object and you, and it can be rambling. It can be about its shape, its color, what it does, how you wear it, what you do with it, you know, and it's a different word every day. So that opens your, it, it makes you regurgitate something on a page about anything. And that is, that's been a great exercise because every now and then you'll get a sentence in there that is like, Oh, that's actually kind of brilliant, you know, and then you can use that in something else. Yeah. The other thing I do is <clears throat> that I've actually recently learned this after I get off the phone with you, Rick and I are going to go on the hike, just being outside in nature and walking around and getting your blood flow 
blood flowing and, and, and breathing up. Um, really, I'll just, I'll pop out my phone because I thought of something cool and I'll write it in my notes. And so then I just kind of collect those little tidbits throughout the day. I come home and I, t- I make lunch and then I relax for a second and then I go in my room and I start either practicing piano and then just hope that something c- inspires me or whatever. I can just kind of improvise or play or play scales or yeah. practice my jazz piano. And then I, the other step that I take is I actually have started writing in my calendar segments of blocks of time dedicated to do things. I put do not disturb on my phone and my laptop and I only look at uh, the, the notes page yeah. and rhyming dictionary. And, um, you know, you'd be surprised because like you just said, I'm literally with you. You're like, Oh, you'd write about the horses going down the road. Some <laughs> days I write about the horses going down the road. <laughs> and it's just because, uh, you know, I might have some songs that, uh, you know, are a lot of people may think are brilliant. I have a million of them to that one that are terrible. So, um, so it, it is, I don't really regard myself as an amazing songwriter in, in the sense that I can, uh, in the utility sense, have I written great songs? Yes. Uh, do I write great songs every day? No. No. Is it hard? Absolutely. It is so hard. And most of the time I have, I, I, I get frustrated with myself because I do have so much to write about. I have so many stories of me being crazy and whacked out and just, <laughs> or, or, or the opposite of that, you know, being really tender stories about my life or things, or I could write about other people. And when I sit down to do it, sometimes I just, I'm at a loss. So then I just dive into it. I start writing whatever's on my mind. Half the time it's jumble. Yeah. Uh, it is nothing, but then at least, I guess my advice wrapping this up, my advice to people would be get something on the page, just start there. And if you can't think of anything object, right? Just do, just do a, just pick a, pick a, pick a word, pick a phrase and, yeah. or pick a time or a moment and just write about it. And don't try to rhyme that the whole point of object writing is you don't have to rhyme. You can literally have fragmented words or sentences. It's just exercising that muscle in your brain to think about things in a different way. Yeah, I would definitely be a rhymer. I think I remember back to school, we had to come up with like a a school anthem. And, and my my school was famous for the uh, John Cabot, who was this, I didn't know what they did. I think they traveled the world. That's terrible. I'm going to be shot down for that. Um, and <laughs> I remember writing the song and it all rhymed. And I just thought, you know, we made the song and we won the competition, but it was like the worst song you'd ever heard. Like I talked about going up the cell, pulling down the cell. Like it was just terrible. Um, so kudos to you and everybody that writes music and allows me to listen to that music because I'm very thankful for it. Um, I want to quickly talk, you know, we've talked about your career and where you've got to and where you're heading. You did speak, you know, and you've spoken about, uh, some troubles that you've had throughout your career, Mm -hmm. you know, within Mm -hmm. the, the entertainment industry per se, and that may come along being personal issues either, but what would you say that the biggest hurdle is for a a musician or somebody, you know, like you or somebody that's in the same position that's wanting to break into the industry? What hurdles would you say are the hardest and like, how would you overcome them? Um, well, first and foremost, rejection. You're going to get told no more times than you're told yes. And that is what a lot of people can't handle 
that get into this industry. Um, you know, if you want to have a career in, you know, law or medicine or, or, or any number of things, you know, <laughs> that people do that just go to school because they, you know, excel in this field or that, you know, you go to college and, or, or you specialize in your training and you go in your field and you get a job and you're often not told no in those positions. I mean, you know, when you have a job like that or when you have a career track like that, you usually level up if you're good at what you do and there's no problems and you live your life. Yeah. A freelancer, an artist, uh, anything in that realm where you're an entrepreneur for, or a self-employed person for yourself, it, it is constantly being told no. And I have been frustrated, still am frustrated at times because, you know, I say, well, gosh, you know, I, I wish I didn't have to sing at a wedding every weekend to make money. And then I have to stop myself and stop on my foot and say, hey, idiot, you're making money doing what you're good at. And so suck it up, you know. Yeah. So there's been a lot of times where my pride's been hurt, like, you know, oh, I've you know, so a lot of people look at me, Darren, like, oh, wow, you know, you're so successful. You've been on TV, ha ha ha, you know, or you have this, you know, amazing record. Well, you know, I'm still on any given day teaching a lesson or playing a little tiny gig at a little restaurant and making, you know, a hundred, 200 bucks and yeah. hustle. And so those, you know, those no's, those moments of doubt when you feel like you're not doing enough, uh, by the way, let's not even scratch the surface on what society wants us to do. I mean, I've gone through existential crisis through my, through my entire existence and, and even especially this year with the mounting pressure that it takes on the toll that it takes on you as, as you age and progress and you haven't done this or you haven't checked this box or you haven't done that. And that is a rough to reconcile with. Um, you know, I'm 33, I'll be 34 this year and I've accomplished some great things, but there are, I can constantly compare myself to other people and why haven't I done this? And why haven't I done that? And it will eat you alive at times. But at the end of the day, when, you know, when we're not in a pandemic, I make a good living and I'm, I, I'm happy with, with my abilities and what I, and I'm always striving to make them better. Um, but for someone trying to, uh, get into, if, if you're, if you're new to the industry or you're, or you're thinking about it, um, you need to be someone that can be told no and be able to swallow that and sit with it. Um, nice. other, otherwise you're, you're not going to make it and make it is in air quotes because, making not everybody wins a grammy not everybody goes on tour not everybody does this or that but you know what i've been my happiest when i've sat in front of a room full of not even full of people it could be 10 people and had the greatest performance and most moving you know sung the most moving song or or had the the, the best gig where everyone in the entire room was completely elated and in the palm of my hand that is success in my, yeah. you know, Absol in my book. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to go back to a, a point you made on like, I think it's difficult right now during this, this pandemic, like you say, we, yeah. you, 
you forget that, yes, we for so many decades or so many years, we've had a fantastic career and been able to support ourselves and do, you yeah. know, go above and beyond. And all of a sudden, yeah. like even myself, I've had this self-doubt this last year and I'm like, like, oh my, what am I doing? Like, uh, yeah. this whole career has suddenly disappeared. You're not alone. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to take comfort and be positive. It's temporary. It is temporary. It might be a long temporary yeah. uh, and we'll be able yeah. to go back to it. But yeah, it's difficult times. And again, you say there's, you know, a question I've been asking to other guests this, you know, about entertainment being not a real career. And people are like, say, why don't you get a real job? Or why don't you try this? And it's, you know, it's so hard for me to listen to that sometimes because I'm like, you know, this is a career and it's a lifelong career. Kind of why I did the podcast so I can share everybody's stories uh, to how successful you can be and like you say making it isn't always winning a grammy or you right. know, being signed to a music label it's being able to right. be happy and work and support yourself and fulfill your dreams whilst doing something that you completely love absolutely yeah and i'm glad you're doing the podcast too because i mean people need to hear that you know you're not alone because people feel so isolated now i mean with covid and and the way that the world is and you know, like I mentioned, my existential <laughs> crises and, and even my own family sometimes, like they believe in me, but then it's, you know, I, I have pressure to, to, to be successful financially sometimes when, when maybe, you know, m maybe things aren't going great and I feel like I need to scramble and try to get a, a quote unquote real job. And it's just like, you know, I, with my career and my abilities, there is unlimited, un earning potential, um, yeah. you know, both financially and uh, emotionally. So um, I, I stick to my guns and I, I keep chugging along. I, I, I've, I have fought the battle. I've gone, I've moved to, I've moved to New York. I, a pandemic shut me down, but now I'm moving to LA and I, I feel confident about that. And that's all you can do is just hold your head high and just, be confident in your abilities and, and, and continue to showcase your work to the world. So, yeah, absolutely. Great advice for sure. Just keep going. If you're listening to this and you maybe are having a hard time, yeah. we're all in there. We're all in there with you. And, uh, you know, yeah. we're hoping for that day where we can get back to what we love. Um, it's been amazing listening to your story. I want to ask you just a, a few questions before I let yeah. you go and sure. uh, go on that amazing hike with Rick. Just some yeah. fun questions like um, if you could collaborate with anyone in the world, you know, musically, who would it be? Ooh, that is a really, really tough question. And this is, uh, I, this is, a, it's a tough question for many reasons, as anybody could imagine, but it's also because I'm influenced by so many genres. Um, yeah. so I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rapid fire here. Lady Gaga, if I was going to do pop, uh, I think we have similar, you know, kind of, piano vocal kind of <laughs> stylings um yeah. that would be awesome um i also love uh, he this is a, here's a brit for you uh jamie Cullum. Uh, i love him yes. he's always been in, i've always been inspired by the work that he does um uh tony bennett um uh um gosh uh uh <laughs> herbie hancock um uh I, this is so hard. I actually have always wanted to write a song with Alicia Keys too. I think she's great. I love a lot of female artists actually. And a lot of jazz artists. Um, 
uh, Joni Mitchell um, is a huge inspiration of mine. Um, um, oh, and who wouldn't want to work with Dolly Parton? And uh, right? Miley Please Cyrus. Please do. I would love that. I and love Miley, Miley Cyrus. Cyrus. I think she's a freaking brilliant artist. Uh, I love the way she sings and how she presents her music. Um, her and, new album is fantastic. I love her new album. She's really, I've really wa- loved watching her progression and really growing in. It's really inspirational to see her grow into, you know, something she was molded into and then into herself now. Um, yeah. I think that's really, really brilliant. Those are just the, off the top of my head. I don't, there's never been one. And that's a t- I, it's a tough question. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there's some, there's some good answers and I could see all of those collaborations. So yeah. if, if they stumble along this podcast and they listen, make it happen. Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, talking about writing and, and you can write for me. That's fine about horses down the street. But if you could write for someone, say you suddenly had these, you know, song that came out of you, you're like, this is, I would love this person to sing my song. Uh-huh. Would it be the same as the collaborations or is, is there someone that you would have in mind? You know, could be because, uh, you know, yeah, I, 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 I say the collaboration with those people, not only because I like their abilities, but also because I like the way that they sing. I'm influenced by that. Um, yeah, if I could write a song. Uh, well, I feel like some of the things I write, like, um, you know, um, uh, my, my, one of my latest singles, uh, you never loved you. Like, you know, people always compare me to Sam Smith. So I would love to sell him one of my songs because I, I'm sure it would make me a lot of money. Um, so, right. uh, you know, kind of comparable <laughs> to, <clears throat> to that, I guess. Um, but if I could write for someone, um, yeah, I feel like somebody like a Sam Smith artist or a, or a Lady Gaga or a Miley Cyrus or somebody like that would, would be someone in line with, with the, with the t- themes and things that I, that I write about. Um, yeah. So uh, if, if we're just going to just, you know, throw some mega pop stars out there, uh, those would maybe be at the top of the list, I guess, for people that I would choose yeah. for. Yeah. And what, what about a, a venue or to play a gig? What would be like, if you thought like I'd love to play, here it's always been like a dream of yours since college or being a young boy um you know you would love to play there like for me i always dreamt of having like my own concert at wembley stadium that would have been like the dream oh my (laughs) god spice girls or something like this (laughs) (laughs) my favorite concert to watch um on youtube is tina turner live at wembley stadium um i don't know if you've ever seen it but it's all over youtube and she's like 60 something years old, still shaking it. This was years ago when she did it. Of course, she's a lot older now, but uh, check it out. Um, anyway, um, I've never really considered myself like a, like a stadium, you know, performer. I think my, my, uh, my performance is best suited for like a seated theater sort of thing yeah. so i would have to say like maybe like radio city music hall or or any any number of like orpheum theaters you know that style um that style of um of performance uh even like an intimate night on broadway you know like at a smaller theater like that i think is kind of my vibe i like being a little more intimate with audiences um so so yeah uh i i i would uh I would, I guess I would say something like Radio City down to like a smaller theater, like Broadway style. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, I see that happening. Um, <laughs> Brennan, it's been, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to put it out there for 2021, yeah. 22. It's, gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. um, it's been amazing listening to your stories and your experience. Um, yeah. and what a gifted musician you are. I'm going to be sharing um, your links and your music. Uh, but cool. You can go to brennanvillains.com uh, and you will see all of his music on there. Bad Habit, like say, Make It Work and Free and all of his other stuff that he's been doing, you'll be able to follow and I'll give you his social platforms as well because you're going to love it. It's so great. Um, free is one of my favorite albums. I still listen to it. So thank, thank you. you. Um, before we sum up uh, and let everybody go, um, you know, you've given so much advice, but if you could sum it all up in just, you know, a few words before we sign off, anyone looking to, you know, become uh, an artist or just work in the entertainment industry, um, but particularly your path as a, a musician, you know, songwriter, performer, what would your advice be that you'd wish you'd known before you started out or you could just give advice to them or someone still in the industry, what would that be? Um, I guess a really quick summation would just be go with your gut. Um, I waited I waited a long time and I was complacent um, in Memphis. And this is not a shot at Memphis because I love Memphis and I will always have a place there. And um, But my goal was to always kind of seek something bigger. I always thought that I was a little, um, you know, I had bigger aspirations than what I was doing. But because, because I was making a lot of money, um, I found that to be my success. And, um, and, and so now here we are and I'm, I'm wishing that I had made a leap a little earlier. So, and gone with my gut. So if you are looking to do something, throw yourself all the way in there and, and do it because the worst that can happen is you fail and you, and, but, but if you fail, you have all of that knowledge of that failure with you and behind you and you can forge stronger ahead you know, later. Um, so yeah, absolutely. You know, your yeah. Learn from your mistakes. Go with your gut. Great advice. Well, Brennan, thank you so much for uh, sharing your time with us today. And it's just been awesome to hear your voice from my side as well I for know. a whole hour. hour. We need to uh, do it more often, but thank yeah. you very much. Good luck with everything. Good luck with the move to LA. And like I say, I'll be posting all of your socials and uh, information so anybody listening can reach out and listen to uh, your great music as well. So thank you so much, Brennan. Thank you for joining me, Industry Insights, and you take care. Thank you, Darren. Bye-bye. Thanks again for joining me on Industry Insights with DPDS. It's been a pleasure having you. We will see you next week for our next episode where I'll be interviewing more entertainment industry professionals sharing their stories. Until then, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and all the links will be provided in this podcast. Until then, enjoy your morning, afternoon, or evening. And most of all, stay safe.